0: Podcast number 672 for the 15th of December, 2019. This week, Snagit has been making the process of documenting computer applications easier for nearly 30 years, and recent enhancements make it a useful tool for anyone who needs to explain or describe the contents of a computer screen. In short circuits, if you've been using Cortana on an iOS or Android device, you won't be doing that after the end of January 2020. Your computer may have more than one audio playback device, and sometimes Windows selects the wrong one. It's an easy problem to fix. In spare parts, only on the website, popular colors change each year, and predicting the ones that'll be popular is not unlike the process used to develop each year's flu vaccines. Sometimes we think of scammers as evil geniuses, but some are just evil idiots. Let's take a look at one fool's flawed flimflam. And 20 years ago, there was talk of how to put the internet in your car. Both Windows and the Mac OS have the built-in ability to create a screenshot. In fact, that's one of the reasons that I'm often surprised by questions that people post to support groups with a screenshot created by pointing a digital camera at the computer and taking a picture. The built-in ability for both Windows and Mac users is limited, though, and a true screen capture application such as Snagit gives the user a lot more options. But the first thought is, do you need Snagit? That is a valid question, and most people probably think Snagit is intended only for professional trainers and documentation specialists. Those kinds of users undoubtedly think of Snagit the way a carpenter thinks of a hammer. It's simply an essential tool that's used every day. Even if that's not your job description, Snagit might still be worth buying in some cases. Here's a little background. Around 1990, I was the communications and advertising guy for a software company, and the head of the support department wondered if a program she had heard about could help train users how to get the most out of their accounting software. That program was called Snagit. Well, it could, and it did. Snagit continues to be the application that full-time trainers and documentation specialists reach for. Snagit isn't just for professional trainers, though. It is priced at $50, the cost of a week's worth of overpriced coffees, and companies that want every employee to have a copy of the program can pay as little as $25 per seat, and even lower prices are available if there are more than 250 licenses involved. The company's Camtasia application for video capture and editing is a $250 investment, so most companies will probably restrict it to just the professionals. Those who have a previous version of either program can update for half of the current price. So, the question this might raise is why a company would want every single employee to have a copy. The answer is a little bit complicated. Start with this background. Employees call on each other all the time to help with computer programs once the company has developed internally for employees or commercial applications. TechSmith cites research by blissfully.com that shows mid-sized companies, those with 200 to 500 employees, often have more than 120 apps that employees use. Some of those apps are used by all employees A good example might be a payroll application. Other apps might be used by just a few employees, maybe a warehouse program that's used only by the management staff. Adding to the complexity, many apps are updated once or twice a year. Some apps will be added and some will be replaced. A single training and support department probably won't be able to keep up with documentation for all parts of all applications. TechSmith's strategy manager, Daniel Foster, describes the problem this way.
1: The typical mid-sized company has about 123 different SaaS applications, so 123 apps. You have some employees that use almost all of them. You have a few applications that are only used by a few employees. So there's all of these different connections, and it's a web of connectivity and of complexity. And when you think about, if I'm the trainer, and I have to train those 18 employees to know about those apps. So how am I supposed to keep everyone up to date on all of the knowledge that they need and how to use all of those applications and all that technology efficiently? And it's just overwhelming and no training department at any company can really keep up.
0: Even for apps that are used by everyone, not all functions are used regularly. For example, an hourly employee might need to make a special entry in the time system to account for emergency time off, but doesn't remember how let's call him Alphonse. He remembers that Francesca had a similar emergency several weeks ago, so he asks her about the process. This happens a lot. A survey by Rescue Time found that about half of all employees say that they are interrupted frequently, and nearly as many say that they are interrupted at least occasionally each day by people with questions about how to do something. TechSmith realized that about 35% of Snagit users aren't support and documentation specialists. Instead, they're people who use the application to train coworkers and document processes. A sales rep might use Snagit to provide documentation to a customer, and the user of a specific app might use it to explain a process to a coworker. Here's Daniel Foster again.
1: We want Snagit to be this application that really helps you capture a process layer on your explanation. You know, maybe you're the expert in how to do this thing, so you explain it with call-outs and arrows and maybe a voiceover if it's a video. And then what's new in Snagit 2020 is that instead of just saving out one image or one video, we're actually able to enable you to create these visual instructions as a more robust deliverable. And you can deliver those to your coworkers, your customers, and hopefully, they'll be very quick to understand and they'll be able to get on their way and be successful with that technology.
0: Having spent a bunch of years in a software development company, I know that one sentence developers detest more than any other is this one. Feature A doesn't work in application B. There's simply no clue about what the problem is. And even if the person reporting the problem has tried to remember the process and report any error messages, something is almost always omitted, and that something is almost always the critical point. A series of screenshots or even a short video can help developers understand the problem so they can fix it. Although Snagit isn't Camtasia, it can capture basic screen sequences as videos. And that brings us to why even individuals make good use of Snagit. Those who have become, by default, the computer person for family, friends, and neighbors could find that a $50 program is a good investment. A single screenshot or two or a short video can save the time needed to write out complete, complex instructions. So, the use cases for Snagit have changed over the years, and the scope of users has grown. And now there's a new version for 2020. The user interface looks a lot like it did in 2019. In fact, the casual observer might not even notice any difference, but there is one. TechSmith's master trainer, Jason Vallad, directed my attention to the upper left corner of the interface. For most people that are Snagit users, they may not see much of a difference. However, there is a significant difference, and that lives over here in the upper left-hand corner, where there is a create button. And behind that create button are the two functions that Daniel spoke about. One is the ability to create an image from a template, or the ability to create video from images. Some of us are not designers, some of us are not trainers, but we all are experts in something. And this is going to allow us to share content right from Snagit using captures that we've already taken. So let's see what the template option offers. Be sure to check out the TechBinder Worldwide website for the images that I'm going to describe here. We all know that email is the most common vector for distributing malware with links to malicious sites, so it might be useful to explain how people can see the contents of a website without using a browser to visit the site. It's an easy process that uses a Windows PowerShell command with the URL of the suspect site. I started by opening PowerShell and capturing three images that could be used to describe the process. I then annotated the three images and saved them in snag format. Clicking the Create button offered the option to create an image using a template or create a video from multiple images. I selected the option to use a template and then selected the template that had three images in a vertical arrangement. Currently, all Snagit templates are limited to a single page, but that's likely to change. Dragging each of the three images onto the template continued the process, then I added text to the locations provided in the template and saved the resulting page as a snag file so it could be updated later. The share option then offers choices ranging from various file options to Word and Excel formats, email, OneDrive and Google Drive, and a lot more. You'll see the resulting image on the TechBiter Worldwide website. Not all explanations require a complex description, though. Sometimes a single screenshot with a highlighted area or an arrow is sufficient. It's not unusual for me to answer a question with just one screenshot that has a text overlay, an arrow, or a highlight. These are all functions that Windows and macOS native screen captures don't offer by default. So if photos are helpful, how about a video? The second major new feature in Snagit 2020 is the ability to create videos using captured images. Snagit has had the ability to create simple videos for several years, but anyone who needs to create a complex instructional video needs Camtasia, not Snagit. I had six Snagit images that I'd created to show how extensions can be added to Microsoft's new Edge browser, the one that's based on the Chromium engine. The process is similar to what's used to create an image from a template. You start with a series of images that you want to use for the video, then click Video from Images in the Create menu. Then you can decide whether to turn on the computer's camera, set the background color, choose whether you want to include cursor movements or not, and select an audio source. The size of the video is shown in pixels, but it cannot be changed. The left and right arrow keys scroll through your selected images. Clicking the X icon cancels the process. Clicking the white dot starts the short countdown to the start of the recording. During the recording, a pause control button and a button to end the recording appear, and you'll see a digital time display showing the length of the recording. Check out the Techbiter Worldwide website, and you'll see the brief video that I created. But I have to mention there are two problems with the video, one that you may have noticed already and one that you probably didn't. First, the Snagit cursor was wobbling around near the bottom of the screen. That was entirely my error. I enabled cursor visibility when I didn't really want it or need it. I could have gone back and recorded the sequence again, but I decided not to because it illustrates an easily made error. And also, I'm lazy. Second, I did have to cheat and use Camtasia to edit away some errors. Snagit is intended for quick, simple videos. So you'll need to record the demo enough times to get it entirely right in a single take, or send a video that contains errors. Those who need to perform complex editing for instructional videos should, as I said, acquire Camtasia. But Snagit is a useful tool for those who need to create short instructional pieces. It is clear that TechSmith wants to avoid creating a $50 Snagit application that eliminates the need for the $250 Camtasia. Even so, Snagit's ability to create videos from captured screen images adds some abilities that go far beyond the application's previous basic video capture function. If there is one feature I'd like to see added, it would be the ability to capture the cursor information. Camtasia can be used to add highlights, sounds, and callouts based on the position of the cursor and mouse clicks it would be helpful if video sequences captured in Snagit that are then handed off to professional documentation associates would carry that information along. Maybe that's a feature for Snagit 2021. So the bottom line here is five cats. Snagit is what you need to explain procedures. TechSmith's Snagit has been the application that documentation specialists have used for nearly 40 years. It is still the right application for professionals, but it's also a good choice for anybody who needs to explain how things work regardless of the audience. New features added to the 2020 version make it even more useful for subject matter experts who need to share their knowledge. You'll find additional details on the TechSmith website. There's a link from the TechBiter Worldwide website, www.techbiter.com. If you find these podcasts useful, and I hope you do, In short circuits, Microsoft, Apple, and Android all have assistants, Cortana, Siri, and the Google Assistant, respectively. One of these things is not like the others. One of these things doesn't belong. Siri has a lock on Apple computers and portable devices. Google Assistant is widely used on Android devices. And then there's Cortana, which is installed on all Windows 10 computers, but it's questionable how many people actually use the service. Cortana has also been released for iOS and Android devices, but Microsoft is about to unrelease it. At the end of January 2020, Cortana will no longer work on these devices. Microsoft has tried to position it as an improvement. Uh, Here's what they say. To make your personal digital assistant as helpful as possible, we're integrating Cortana into your Microsoft 365 productivity apps. As part of this evolution on January 31st, 2020, we are ending support for the Cortana app on Android and iOS. At that point, the Cortana content you have created, such as reminders and lists, will no longer function in the Cortana mobile app or the Microsoft launcher, but can still be accessed through Cortana on Windows. Well, Cortana does run on Windows 10 computers, but only in 13 countries. Microsoft claims 150 million Cortana users but many of those users probably just type questions into the search bar instead of talking to Cortana. Assistants aren't as useful on computers as they are on smartphones, and Cortana is severely limited in what it can do when compared with Siri and the Google Assistant. There's also Alexa, of course, created by Amazon, first used in the Amazon Echo and the Amazon Echo Dot smart speakers. Alexa, though, isn't included with any computers. It can be installed on macOS and Windows computers and on most phones. Those who have Amazon speakers often prefer to use Alexa on their other devices just to keep things as simple as possible. So, where does that leave Cortana? As of the 31st of January 2020, it leaves Cortana out in the cold. Now, that's probably not news. What you might not know, though, is that there's a Cortana smart speaker, the Harman Kardon Invoke. Research by Cantor U.S. Insights gives the Amazon Echo and Echo Dot and other Amazon smart speaker products a little over 60% of the market share. Google Home, Google Home Max, and the Google Home Mini have about 30% of the market, Okay, so we got 60 and 30, that's 90, right? Several other devices take up the remaining 10% and sales of the Harman Kardon Invoke have been so low that the device doesn't even show up anywhere in the analysis. So now Microsoft seems to be repositioning Cortana as an assistant for business and for use in automobiles. Cortana development has been moved from the AI and research unit to the office unit. And this latest announcement by Microsoft shows that Cortana will be promoted as a productivity tool in Microsoft apps, not as a competitor to Alexa, the Google Assistant, and Siri. computers have speakers, and many have a built-in microphone. Sometimes the speaker or the microphone might appear to be broken, and that's usually a problem that's easy to fix. The computer might have more than one audio device. Maybe you've installed a monitor that has built-in speakers. Perhaps you've added a USB unit that has audio devices. Or maybe there's a headset you use with Skype or when playing online games. Windows tries to figure out which device you want to use, but sometimes it guesses wrong, so if you can't hear the audio, or the microphone appears to be turned off, here's probably how you can fix it. The easy option, if you need to check just the playback options, it starts with clicking the speaker icon on the taskbar, then click the up arrow to display a list of all playback devices. A full list might not fit in the panel, or you might also want to check the input device. If that's the case, right-click the speaker icon and select Open Sound Settings. The settings panel that opens offers options for playback devices and input devices. You'll see a screenshot on the TechPyter Worldwide website that shows a headset USB plug-and-play, speakers in both of the DisplayPort monitors, Q2781, the computer's built-in speakers, Realtek, and the external USB device that is my default, a right unit. That's the one for playback options. For inputs, the choices are the built-in microphone, Realtek, the microphone in the headset, the USB plug-and-play device, and the external USB device that I use for recording, TechBinder. That's the right unit. To switch to a different playback device or a different microphone, just select it from the list, and you're done. <laughs> You won't need an audio playback device for spare parts, but you will need a browser because that section is only on the website. This week's stories, popular colors change each year, and predicting the ones that will be popular is not unlike the process used to develop each year's flu vaccines. Sometimes we think of scammers as evil geniuses. Some are just evil idiots. Let's take a look at one fool's flawed flimflam. And 20 years ago, there was talk of how to put the internet in your car. Thanks for listening to TechBiter Worldwide, the podcast with an hour's worth of technology news in about 20 minutes. I'm Bill Blinn. Be sure to check out the website, www.techbiter.com. And if you like, send me an email from there. See you next week.